0: Hello and welcome to the Max Communications 2020 podcast, a series of podcasts where we explore various archives and collections. My name is Faith Williams and I'm joined today by Sophia Tobin, Deputy Librarian for the Goldsmiths Company. Sophia, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us how you came to be in your position? Yeah, sure, thank you. Um,
1: So I came through a bit of a circuitous route, really. Uh, I worked in the precious metal trade. I actually researched sold antiques Uh, And that's how I came into the kind of remit of the Goldsmiths Company uh, and became aware of them. Uh, uh, My backgrounds in history and history of art, um, I think there's always been a bit of an inner librarian in there. I've always been quite obsessed, you know, making sure (laughs) information is findable. Uh, But I so I began basically as a researcher going to the Goldsmiths Company Library and um, became more aware of what it's about. Uh, And just to say that the company is, for anyone who doesn't know about the Goldsmiths company, it's a livery company. So it's a membership organisation. And it's been going, uh, you know, for centuries and centuries. Our first Royal Charter was in 1327. And the company has an assay office, which hallmarks gold and silver. So it's really connected with gold and silver and the trade. And it's also uh, supports training in silver and jewellery and apprenticeships, and it has a big charitable remit as well, so it also gives lots to charity. Uh, And the library itself and the archive supports all of those things, whether directly or indirectly. So I began working in the library nine years ago, and I began as a library administrator, and uh, gradually have worked my way up through being an assistant librarian and now I'm deputy librarian. So that's how I kind of came into the library. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So how do you spend an average day? I think the good thing about working in a library is there is no such thing as an average day. Uh, We um, have a huge variety of holdings. Uh, So we have a huge variety of research. And you don't have to be a member of the company to research in the library. So it's open to anyone who wants to come by appointment. Uh, And it's a reference library, I should say, as well as a circulating library. So I might, on an average day, be uh, dealing with research inquiries by email. So people might email in and ask us to identify a hallmark, or they might be a family history researcher who wants to know about our membership records. Uh, So I might be looking to things like that. I might be dealing with readers uh, in the reading room itself, talking to people about their research and the kinds of things we can help them with. Uh, so, not all of our books are on display, for example, so we often talk to people about what they need. Um, our catalogue also isn't yet online, which is something we, we're working on at the moment. So, often people are quite dependent on us to know. Uh, what what they should be looking for, Uh, and we can access our catalogue and and give them reading lists and so forth. So I might be doing that. Um, I also do image licensing for the company and I deal with copyright inquiries as well, so that might be something I'd be working on. I might be working on the digital project that we're working on at the moment, as I say, to try and get our holdings online and to open up uh, the archives in the library to uh, to the world essentially. So it's a big, big project for us. Uh, and then I might be giving tours or lectures. Uh, we give tours of the building. So the company is based in Goldsmith Hall, which is a grade one listed building and has very kind of significant uh, decoration and architecture and furnishings. So we give tours of that as well. Um, during lockdown, we've been uh, giving lectures online. So um, a colleague, uh, the librarian, my colleague Elaine Bide and I um, were involved in a lecture series over Zoom to do with women in silversmithing. And then finally, uh, I might be doing cataloguing. So cataloguing, obviously incredibly important to, to make our holdings findable. And at the same time, often, I think lots of librarians say it, it's the thing that, that ends up piling up in the corner, that there's always something more urgent to do. Uh, but, you know, it's
0: really, really important. So I might be doing that as well. Wow, fingers and lots of pies, then. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah. company was founded in thirteen twenty seven. Is that right?
1: That's when uh, the company got its first charter. Its actual history stretches back even further, kind of into the mists of time. So we, we think there was a, there was certainly a guild uh, in the eleven hundreds, uh, maybe the twelve hundreds, the more informal associations. But thirteen twenty seven is the big date for us because that's when the charter was. Uh, so we've been based on the site um, that we're on now as well since the 1300s and um, I mentioned Goldsmiths Hall itself so that's the third incarnation of the hall it was built in the 1830s so yes it's got a very very rich history and our archives actually begin in 1334 that's our earliest uh, kind of paper-based records that we have existing and our earliest records are actually in Anglo-Norman French so you know it, they we, we're very lucky they've been translated by a, a wonderful academic called Lisa Jefferson uh, and we have them in published form as well from the from the 1300s going into the 1400s um, but as you can imagine because the company is has such a long history uh, we have a huge variety of holdings So as I say, archives from the 1330s onwards, Um, and then things like designs, we have objects such as office weights or punches. Uh, We have uh, photographs, AV material, over 8,000 books on silversmithing and jewellery and lots of journals as well. So there's a huge variety of material. I should say actually the library itself, rather than the archive, was begun after the Second World War and that was to help promote the trade and to educate and stimulate the trade uh, in the economic downturn after the war.
0: Wow, that's an incredibly rich history. Who accesses the the collection then? What type of people and what are they looking for?
1: You might imagine because we have so many different kinds of holdings, there's a huge variety of people who come. So, um, as I said, we, the, the Goldsmiths Company focuses a lot on, on the trade and on goldsmithing and silversmithing, training jewellers and silversmiths. So, we have students that come in, sometimes as part of the apprenticeship scheme or as part of um, uh, groups from the Goldsmiths Centre. Uh, which is um, an associate organization which has subsidized workshops and runs lots of training schemes and supports trade Um, and at the core of that is the apprenticeship scheme which has been going on for centuries. So we might have apprentices coming in, we might have students coming in, uh, we might have practicing silversmiths uh, and jewellers coming in to look up technical things but then you will also get For example, history of art students who are interested in silver and gold and the decorative arts. You get scholars, um, PhD students, uh, who would come in to look at our records and our holdings. And you would also get members of the public who are just interested in the hallmark on a family wedding ring or are researching their family tree. And then there's another really important group of users, which is our internal users. So we have at the Goldsmiths Company a collection of silver and gold and that's looked after by a curator and curator staff and they might come to the library to research pieces. And in addition, you have people in the assay office who might be researching hallmarks and you have communications staff who are obviously interested in, in, you know, telling the story of the company. So, you know, on any one day you might have in one corner, um, a silversmith looking up how to enamel in, uh, enamel gold in a certain way. You might have a PhD student at the other end of the table and you might have someone popping in from the curator's department
0: to up a book on the 18th century.
1: So it's quite a variety.
0: What is, what is the size of your membership? Are they all, are they all current sort of smithers?
1: Um, no, not necessarily. So there are several roots into the goldsmith Company um, and the traditional way would be through apprenticeship so learning to be a, a silversmith or a jeweller but you can also come in through something called redemption which is if you are um, somebody who's involved in the trade in some way um, you can be um, invited in in other ways um, so we have a variety of members, which means that you don't actually have to be involved in the craft to be a member of the company. Um, but um, I mean, obviously, everyone who's a member would be interested in the craft and interested in the company. Yeah. But we also have, you know, people like lawyers or teachers or who, people who have family connections through the company who would who would come in and be part of the membership. So it's quite a rich membership but but as i said with the library you don't actually have to be a member to um access it and that's something that we're always kind of saying to people and we always want to make clear that we're really here for everyone so if you know if you're interested in silver and gold and jewelry you can book an appointment and come in you don't have to kind of justify why you would come in
0: you um the company have close links with with other organizations probably most um obviously the goldsmiths university um was founded by by the goldsmith company yes. and then moved on yes. is that right
1: that's right yes um so that was founded um in, in the 1890s 1880s 1890s i won't say the exact date i'll probably get it wrong <laughs> but yes the company founded it um because as i said the company's Often involved with charity, and one area that it's particularly involved in is education, not just um, through the apprenticeship scheme and for goldsmiths and jewelers, but but wider, you know, with a wider focus as well. They still maintain that. So um, yes, they founded um, what was then the New Cross Institute, which has since become uh, Goldsmiths College, and um, they then over time they have handed that over. So now Goldsmiths College. Is is independent of the company. It just bears the name. I believe that um, our clerk may sit on the board of, of the uh, of the college, but we don't have any control over over what they do.
0: So you don't kind of um, team up with them on any projects or anything like that anymore. <laughs> Not not with them specifically
1: i mean we we've always there are the charity department's always really interested in education and have various projects going, but no they're they're kind of self they're self governed
0: now, um, but of course you know the name is on there, so that's good yeah <laughs> uh, but you have recently um entered into a partnership with the Museum of London yes indeed yes and and that's part of the build up to
1: Um, the 700-year anniversary of the first charter. So there are lots of projects going ahead. I mentioned the Goldsmiths uh, project, the digital project, for us to get our holdings online, which is a huge project. But yes, the Museum of London as well. Um, uh, The company have given money towards that and towards galleries, which will... um, show some wonderful goldsmiths work, hopefully show some people practicing the craft as well. And that's all kind of under discussion. But yes, the company is supporting uh, the Museum of London, the New Museum of London.
0: So that will hopefully be sort of physical examples of workmanship throughout the ages. Yes, absolutely,
1: absolutely. Uh,
0: And of course, the Museum of London
1: holds as well, the Cheapside Hoard, which is a a wonderful, wonderful um, hoard of jewellery um from the 16th and 17th centuries, which was found and um, which was dug up in the early 20th century um, and uh, has since found its way, luckily, into the Museum of London. So that will be on display as well,
0: I believe. Do you have any interaction with the other livery companies in London? Uh, yes, yes, the um
1: all of the livery companies are, you know, are you know are linked in various ways uh and um it, as a library and an archive we certainly have connections with um not just with other livery company archivists but also with basically city of london um archivists so there are various ways of meeting up informally and formally and we all do talk to each other about what we're doing with our collections because although collections within the livery companies are very different often so I mean we're we're very lucky with the the range of archives that survives. for example. Um, We've all got the same you know focus in in lots of ways so yes we we do have interaction with the other companies.
0: Are there any particular challenges you find with um, managing the library? You've mentioned that the uh, collections are separate, um, looked after by a curator. Do you have lots of interaction with them? Is that a bit tricky sometimes? No, no, it's a very cordial
1: relationship. Uh, We're all kind of working towards the same purpose, which is to support goldsmithing and jewellery and silversmithing. Um, So yes, the curator's department look after the precious metal. Uh, We look after the works part and, and the archives, obviously. Um, that's that's a very good relationship. Um, but there are challenges uh, with the library and archive, definitely. Um, because there's such a wide variety of materials and formats that presents its own kind of preservation issues, because you know you have everything from a vellum uh, 16th century piece through to a digital file from the 1980s. So, there, is a, there are a, lot, a huge range of things that you have to think about um, in terms of pairing for the collections. Um, and it, we also have a slight problem with some of our 20th century material because, in the past, the kind of institutional memory of long standing members of staff meant, meant that sometimes things weren't uh, catalogued in depth because they kind of just knew about these things. Uh, and of course, we're moving away from that in libraries. From the idea of um, you know an individual holding things in their heads, mm, yeah. so um, yeah, <laughs> so we are we're working on the catalog and we have an archivist now which we didn't have for a long time, who is is going to be looking at cataloging and we cataloging of our archives to make them kind of more findable and more visible uh, for various audiences. Um, another challenge really is visibility. As I said, we're working towards putting our catalogue online uh, and our holdings online in various ways. But another thing is that we are based in a very beautiful but very intimidating building. So Goldsmiths Hall is a glorious building and people who go into it tend to gasp. But at the same time, if you're coming there for the first time, and I remember that myself, visiting it for the first time, it is very intimidating. So you want to be seen as a really open and friendly place to be. Um, And um, so the building has that element to it that it it sometimes puts people off. Um, Another thing which I think libraries and archives have in common is, is that they want to persuade younger readers that not all knowledge is digital, that it is worth coming to look at hard copy books, at hard copy archives. Um, but not everything is on the internet, and <clears throat> we try to do that in, in lots of different ways when we when we're dealing um, with with our with our readers, and when we're talking to them on the phone and by email, um, and that goes kind of hand in hand, although it sounds a bit of a contrast with the idea that we're opening up our digital offering. We want to make things visible to people um, as much as we can, whilst also not losing the value of the beautiful, amazing archives and books that you can consult in real life. Um, So the role of libraries, I think, is is changing in lots of ways. And it's that dual thing that you're trying to do all the time. Um, And and also you have to accept that people are learning differently now. And and that's not something that you should necessarily fight. You know, if people, we librarians aren't data guardians anymore, we're kind of data stewards. So we should be able to give curated um, offerings to people who want that. We should be able to give digital things to people who want that and also promote um, the hard copy stuff.
0: And it's really interesting you mentioned that because actually that is why people like libraries and bookshops as well that you get a personalized sort of um guide really. Yes. Yeah, and I think
1: I mean it's really wonderful when you have people come into the library and they see things uh, like an illuminated manuscript or a specific book from 1890 that tells them exactly what they need to know and that wonderful kind of opening up to the real thing as well as the digital thing. And I, and I, I, I'm not, you know, downgrading the digital stuff at all because I think link things like linked data are incredibly important that we, that we should be part of that too. Um, and I should say as well, another challenge is to understand that that people learn differently. So I said that we have lots of different types of users in the library and um Sometimes you're dealing with people who are academics and learn in that way and sometimes you're dealing with people who are doing vocational courses and are very practical and hands-on and those people learn differently and so that's one challenge with when we're running teaching sessions which we which we do uh, as part of our work is to adapt the way that we handle the materials and the way that we um, deal and and try to teach um, people
0: to so what are your hopes for the future of the collection? You've mentioned your um, 700th anniversary of your Royal Charter. That'll be 2027. Where do you hope to be then? Is there an audience you want to target or a goal you want to achieve, or do you want to add more to your collection? Um, there's there's kind of, there's lots of things. Um,
1: Obviously, the project we're working on, the digital project, it's really important that we achieve that, which means getting our catalogue online and getting some of our holdings online and really, really opening things up. Um, we're kind of seen as the history keepers of the company in a way, and there are amazing stories in that history. And we want to make those stories available to people so that they can, so they can see them and, and, uh, and, and you know uh, be part of them as well um i think that the wonderful thing about our collection is that it is a living collection it's not static so it is constantly changing and i just want that to continue and for it to fully reflect all of the people that are involved with the goldsmiths company um, and continue to be something that's really valuable so ours is an ancient craft but it's it's incredibly modern as well people are still practicing it today and uh, just to continue for the collection to be representative essentially of everyone that's involved um, with the trade. Um, I think also I just really like most librarians and archivists want people to know how special the collection is and to value it and I think doing the work that we're doing uh, in the run-up to the 700th anniversary both through things like the museum of london and also through our digital project and other projects um hopefully it will kind of open it up to the world and people will be able to see what a wonderful resource it is
0: making it more accessible to people
1: absolutely no accessibility is key uh, we really want our holdings to be accessible we you know we don't want to be kind of just sitting in our our little library uh we, we, we want everyone to be part of it
0: yeah because as you just said uh, metal work is an ancient craft and it's still practiced all around the world um, so you must have a lot of people who would be interested in your collection yes
1: yes absolutely and I think it's It's the craft and um, it's always developing. There are always new innovations. Places like the Goldsmith Centre are constantly talking to people who are innovating in all kinds of different areas. Um, There's a big ethical dimension to it as well. You know, people are looking at uh, their jewellery and how that's sourced and the library holdings um, are valuable in those ways as well. But also there's something magical about jewellery and about gold. People, even people who aren't involved in the craft, see the kind of magic of it. Um, and you know, for as long as there have been human beings, uh, we have looked at precious metals and gemstones as incredibly symbolic, incredibly important and having greater significance to us. They're kind of, and in, in, you see in in early texts, they're kind of these glimpses of heaven sometimes. Um, so there are all kinds of levels that you can approach the collection on, whether it's technical or uh, the history and symbolism of, um, you know, the craft and of gold and silver over the ages.
0: People like shiny
1: things. They just do. They, they do. That's it. Basically, they like shiny things. And when I'm giving a kind of introductory session in the library with my colleagues, often one of the books I will get out, um, I will get a really glamorous book out that has lots of gemstones on it, like the, um, this wonderful book by Jeffrey Munn about tiaras. A huge book it was linked with an exhibition at the VA. People love tiaras, they just want to look at beautiful things sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously there's context to that too, which 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 can be learned about. Um, but you know it's it's a source of fascination. It always has been for people.
0: So you've mentioned a few items but what in your opinion is the most interesting item?
1: <laughs> there are so many interesting items. I know that's a cop out. Um, I I'll mention a few if I may. Yeah. Um, we have um, the early books of ordinances or the rules of the company, the Goldsmiths Company, which date from the 1500s. Um, and they're kind of composite books so there are various dates to them. And there is an illuminated um, lapidary which is all about gemstones uh, beautiful beautiful illuminated manuscript absolutely glorious and it talks about where different gemstones come from and what their symbolism is so i find that really entrancing and most people do as well it's something about that combination of the illumination and the, the looking at the you know the, the different symbolism uh, and it's all bound in with with the rules of the company so it was obviously meant to be a very precious book so i love that um, but as a librarian, um, I think I should go for an actual published book. Uh, and uh, I really, really love a book called um, A Touchstone for Gold and Silverwares. And it dates from the 1670s. There was a, a version in 1677 and one in 1679. And it's by somebody called William Badcock. And it's all about the craft of goldsmithing. Uh, It's about, you know, everything from how you fold a paper to hold a a sample for assaying and through to things like fakes and forgeries. Uh, So it's a kind of very, you know, old manual for goldsmithing. And the amazing thing is that some of those elements are still present in the trade today because it's an ancient craft. So I, I really love that book. It has a frontispiece showing a workshop, a goldsmith workshop, people making pieces, um, and it's just a, a wonderful, wonderful uh, book, so I'm going to plump for that.
0: Oh, very interesting. <laughs>
1: um,
0: thank you for agreeing to speak to me today. It's been really interesting hearing about the age and just range of your collection. I can't wait to see what Comes of this partnership with Museum of London they're great at putting on exhibitions and things like that so I'm sure it'll be very exciting for you to come up with things do you are you going to have a role in that?
1: I think we will feed into that um, and obviously we will have a role in um, supporting the research of curatorial staff and, and and other people at the Museum of London and within the Goldsmiths company so we will be involved in various ways I think
0: certainly something to look forward to is there anywhere you want to point people in the direction of obviously you can visit you at the very intimidating but not actually building (laughs) on sites but is there um, anything you have digitized at the moment that people can look at well at the moment
1: that there are a few highlights from the archives on our website so the website is um www.thegoldsmiths.co.uk and if you click through on the craft you will see a link to the library and archive. Um, So there are a few of our treasures on there so for example we have um, a letter written by Thomas Cromwell from Wolf Hall so if anyone's interested in you know the Hilary Mantel novels we do have that um, on screen and we have a few design drawings up. As I say we're working on, on getting a lot of our holdings up but we will be updating our website. Um, so please do have a look at, at what we have on our website. Um, there's also a Goldsmiths Company Instagram account, which has lots of wonderful things on there. And we do
0: post uh, on there as well. So if you want shiny things, Instagram is the place to go, presumably. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I definitely have to follow that one. Um, <laughs> yes, thank you so much for talking to me today, Sophia. It's been wonderful. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much. Cheers.